Are you ready? Yeah, let's get it. All right, yo. What's up? It's your boy D Starks. Starks artist. And you're tuned in to the Just Different Podcast. We're talking everything face life and culture. Let's tap in. We here. We here. Episode man. what? 32? 32, man. Yeah, that's the one. Hey, welcome that's back if y'all already familiar with this. If you're mm-hmm. not, you know, we just different podcasts, you know. We happy to be here. Glad to be here. Static to be here. All that. That's all that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we, we're going to get straight into it. You know, we, we've been keeping y'all waiting already. It's been, you know, 24. You know what I'm saying? Is it 48? <laughs> <laughs> 24 hours or whatever this gets to y'all, but... Um, but yeah, we're gonna get straight into it now. And last week we did an EP and it talked about heartbreak. Yeah, heartbreak anniversary, and obviously we talked about what that looks like, dealing with that, healing through that process, and really looking at it from a biblical perspective. And so this week we're really gonna just take a turn, a little twist on that. Yeah. And last week we talked more specifically, of course, about heartbreak and how that can happen from another individual. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you feel like God has taken a piece of your heart? What then? What What happens when you feel like God may have been a part of your heartbreak? Yeah. When you've gone through situations in your past, trauma, and different events that you felt like God allowed. Right. That, that wasn't your fault, mm. but still left you with all this baggage yeah. to carry. Right? Like... Why did my mother leave me? Wow. Why did my father have to abandon me? Why did I have to go through that abuse? Mm-hmm. Why Why did they misplace my heart, misuse my heart at such a young age? Why did God allow them to do that to me? Right? And you're just sitting there like, why, what did I do to deserve this? And I don't know if we mentioned this before, but it's the idea of dealing with pain that isn't your fault but still your responsibility. Mic drop. Because, I don't know about you, but it's always different when it's like self-inflicted pain in some sort, right? In terms of when you're dealing with the consequences of your actions. Yeah. Okay, I did something here that then resulted in this, right? I, I planted this seed here that then reaped this harvest in my life. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. sense. It's linear, okay? I understand right. where this came from and why this came about, but what happens when you're dealing with pain you did nothing to deserve? Mm. How this tree get in my front yard? That that this pain I'm dealing with, the this trauma I now have to walk through, was a result of anything I put my hand on. Right. You know, it's like God. I was only seven. Mm. I was only ten years old. Right. Now, why do I now have to carry this? And like this trauma we've been through, and the questions that come along with it can always, or in some instances, like leave us in a state of anger, mm-hmm. confusion, and really like rage for real. And like I, David, he mentioned this in Psalms. He talks about how like, why didn't you come to my defense when I was in trouble, Lord? Yeah. Right. So like kind of like setting that up with that, this episode, we're going to be talking about, you know, trauma and our past, but more specifically trauma in regards to like being traumatized by the actions of another person. Right that they did to you, especially when it's something you don't feel like was warranted or even deserved from your own actions. Uh, Because we talked about it in episode eight. It was, there's grace grace for that. And we talked about our past in terms of healing from our mistakes. But how do I deal with people in my past that wronged me? Mm, And environments and situations I found myself in 
that caused me pain that I didn't do anything to go through mm-hmm. or or even deal with, right? And looking at what it means to heal from those things and deal with it from a biblical perspective, yeah. right? Because I know, like I mentioned earlier, it leaves us with this anger and this resentment in our heart. And that's why we named this, and that's why we named this I'm mad at God. Because yeah. that, that's where it can leave us with this, all this frustration. And, of course, we're talking, um, like I said, more specifically in terms of trauma that's been a result of someone else's actions coming upon us. And we realize that trauma is a very general topic just because there's so many different types yeah. of trauma. And it's a very sub- subjective thing because what may traumatize you or may not traumatize me. But that's what we're talking about more, like, specifically. Because I think it's important to understand that a lot of who you are right now is directly tied to everything you've already been through yeah you know and you know in audience of one eric mentioned this intentionality intentionality and being intentional about looking at these things or like actually like getting them up and bringing them to the surface yeah so we can deal with what we you know need a process for the future and actually getting us in a healthy place for our relationship with god and for ourselves just in general yeah i think you said something you said earlier was really good i think a natural part of going through this healing is you know asking god why Mm -hmm. You know, it's questions of why why does God allow evil in the world or why do bad things happen to good people? You know, those are all valid questions, but I think what we need to first address is what is evil, right? I think very simply put, it's it's going against the will of God, anything that's going against the will of God. And if you put it that way, in that case, everyone is guilty of allowing evil into this world. And I think it becomes very easy to blame God, but I think a lot of the evil in the world or all of the evil has nothing to do with God and everything to do with us, Right. Um, in Romans 5.12, it says, sin entered the world through the choice of one man and death through sin, right? So say God did want to eliminate all the evil, he would also have to eliminate that choice, right? But I think what kind of relationship would that be if there were no choice? love? I don't think love can be coerced. I think if there's a choice, if there's no choice, then there is no love. I heard someone say like this, if if love is a choice, suffering is a possibility, we can't love God if we don't have the freedom to not love him. And we understand that doesn't detach us from the consequences of our actions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that possibility is still there for us to choose good, but also evil. And I think when we're talking about, you know, the whole good, good people, you know, bad things, I, I feel like I got in the habit of comparing myself to other people. But I think obviously if you're doing that from a carnal eye view, you're going up to appear to be good. But God is judging us from his perspective. From his perspective, none of us are good, right? Because he's, he's sort of matching, matching us up to him and his son. In Mark 10, 17, 8, it says, as Jesus, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit the eternal life? And then Jesus answers, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone, right? Isaiah 64, 6 also says, our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? So, what I got from that is basically none of us are really as as good as we appear. And I think we just need to understand that we need to start measuring ourselves up to a, a, a standard of God instead of comparing ourselves to other people. And I understand this is can be a hard truth to grasp, and it's definitely a process trying to learn it. But I think it just comes down to understanding that, you know, a lot of the sin or this sin is a product of the fallen world we live in and the choice that was made. Yeah, and I think we're in our process of asking why when we're thinking about, like, different trauma and things that have happened in our past. I think we're also faced with the question of where. Like when all this was happening, when all this was taking place to me, God, where were you? Where, where were you at? Like what were your thoughts on this? What what were you doing for me? 
Mm-hmm. Right. We talk about a guy that fights our battles. But where were you when I was going through that storm? Right. And I think sometimes, of course, when we're experiencing like this pain and the suffering, we believe that God may not love us or he's abandoning us, abandoned us in these moments that we've been through. But I think I just want to reemphasize the fact that like we don't serve a distant God. Right. And that God grieves when he sees us hurting Mm -hmm. and he pays attention to the details of our pain. Like we mentioned it last week in Heartbreak Anniversary, but I want to reiterate it because it's just a powerful verse to me. This fact that like God not only just recognizes or sees your tears, but he counts them. Yeah. Like God grieves when we do too. Like this isn't something that he's far from or he's not concerned about. It's things that doesn't break his heart. Mm. Right? The Bible says that God gets angry. Yeah. Right? That he grieves, that he laughs. Like he is feeling all these things with us. Mm. Right? That we don't have a high priest that cannot be that cannot empathize or isn't concerned with our troubles and our iniquities. That like he's been through this, that he's seen this and that he's still not on the throne just sitting there you know, just lazy, just there, not doing anything that he is like working on justice on our behalf and also like grieving on on our part. So it talks about this in Genesis six. um, And it says that the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth because of the wickedness and his heart was deeply troubled or deeply grieved. It Mm -hmm. says that he grieved. And of course the infamous John 11, 35, it talks about what Jesus wept, that he has emotions and he's concerned with these things. And even Isaiah 63, 9, it talks about in their distress, what he was distressed to. Yeah. Right. And when these things happen to us, which are sinister, that ne- that doesn't necessarily mean that it was a part of his desire. Yeah. That he want he doesn't want us to go through pain. He doesn't mm-hmm. want us to necessarily experience suffering. Right. But like that is as a result of choice in what we call free will, what it, like that is in the earth that these things may take place or happen. And then also we have to realize that God is just too. He he's a he's a just God. Like God is ultimately going to judge everything one day because I think in this process, it's like, well, what is God doing about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a question that comes up. You know what I mean? Like, OK, like I said earlier, like, is he just sitting there on the throne just here with his hands? Like, you know. Legs crossed, yeah. just twiddling his feet. No, like he's a just God. He will ju- He's going to judge everyone one day. Like mm-hmm. he's a God of justice. He's not only a God of love, but he's a God that is lovingly just. Right. And he actually cares about justice more than we do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He, he He's a God that is concerned with that. So I think we always have to think about that, too. It also talks about this in Hebrews 9.27 that like everyone's appointed to die, of course, but also everyone's appointed to judgment. That mm-hmm. is not something that anyone's going to escape. And like Jordan mentioned earlier, of course, a part of this free will is freedom to choose, but it doesn't eliminate from consequence. Yeah. And vengeance, ven- vengeance, it's ultimately the Lord's, and he's concerned with evil and making sure that it is judged righteously. Yeah. Right. So I think it's understanding that like God isn't distant from our pain and he isn't distant from making sure that like repercussions are going to come from the evil that may have happened or come upon us. Right. And I think keeping all that in mind, I think the next thing I want to, I, I think is important. It's also not to blame yourself mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, being a victim of these things, because like when we're asking God, why, or like, where were you? And we don't necessarily find peace with those answers. It can turn into, well, maybe it was me. Mm-hmm. I, I must have not been good enough. I must have did something wrong. I should have done this better. Mm -hmm. You know what? Maybe I deserve this. 
I'm a bad person and this is this is why it happened to me. But you can't focus on that and you have to focus on what's true, not how you feel. Right. I think we mentioned it in cycles, like between the, like the difference between what fact and truth. Exactly. And I think in this instance, sometimes you have to make sure like you're being very intentional about focusing on what's true and not always just allowing our feelings to dictate that for us. Because when you're in trauma, two things usually happen with your emotions. They're either like become disconnected or they become distorted. Yeah. So what that means is that like, in disconnected, like you suppress your emotions. Sometimes it gets swept under the rug. And you just don't feel anything. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you go through something of that magnitude that's so hurting and so painful to your heart, to your emotions, to your mind. That's something that you just kind of like put to the side. Exactly. You just get numb. And then sometimes it gets distorted. And what, what that means is you start believing lies. And the part of your emotions being distorted is you becoming or allow you being a victim, still blaming yourself. Right. And ultimately, God's truth has to trump your feelings. Always. God's truth has to trump your feelings. And when we're thinking about, like, blame, I, I was watching a few sermons and looking at something. There was something that he mentioned, and he said that you have to realize that the trauma is not your fault, the trauma is not your identity, and the trauma is not your future. And there was a verse, it was Second Corinthians 1, 8 through 9, and it says that we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we were never going to live through it. What is that? That's trauma right there. Right. Crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we weren't going to live through it. It's that in fact, we expected to die. Mm. Right? It's like, dang, like I went through this. This abuse happened to me physically mm. or emotionally. And that's bigger than what I've had the ability to even take on. And in fact, I thought I was going to die. Mm. I thought this was going to take me out emotionally, yeah. mentally. I thought I was literally, like, physically actually not going to be here anymore. But this is the rest of the verse it talks about. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Mm. Right? So as a result of this trauma, result of what they had been through, this 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 pain, this anguish that was beyond anything they could even handle. They didn't rely on themselves. They decided to rely on God mm -hmm. who has the ability to raise people from the dead. It's powerful. Mentally, physically, emotionally, mm. on all levels, yeah. right? And so I thought that was important just in terms of understanding like in those moments, even when you try to blame yourself, like not focusing on how you feel, focusing on what is true, which which is God and his word, and understanding that your trouble's not your fault, it's not your identity, it's not your future. And allowing God to be the ultimate say in your feelings and everything else. Right. And also when we're thinking about this, not blaming yourself is also a part of like just the healing process generally. Yeah. Like getting through this trauma, processing it and taking those steps toward it. Like that's one of the that's one of the biggest ones. Yeah, and I say I think in terms of healing, since we're going toward more in that direction, I think another step in terms of healing from something like this is taking your anger to God, right? I think this this is kind of counterculture. It seems kind of back backwards to the way that we've learned things. Because, you know, like, usually when you have, like, beef or you're angry with someone, you don't really take that to them. You know, you kind of just, mm. you know, bury that deep down or you, like, sort of cut that person off entirely. But I think with this relationship with God and in the kingdom, you're supposed to take that anger to him, right? We have... And the Bible says to cast your cares on him. I think that is a care that needs to be casted, even if it's a frustration you have with him. And I remember some t one time someone had asked me if it was a sin to be like angry or frustrated with God. And I don't believe it is. I think it's just about what you do with the frustration, mm -hmm. 
right? If you take that frustration and forsake him, and I think that's where the problem lies. But I think this is something that also is laid out. Like you, you brought up in earlier about how in Psalms, David, several times in the scriptures, he was expressing his frustration to God. But I noticed that he always ended it with praise in mm-hmm. several of it. Like in Psalms 22, 1. He says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I think that's the one you brought up. Why are you so far from me when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief, yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of, it, of Israel, right? So I think it's about taking that frustration to him, but always ending it with praise, right? Like, God, I'm mad at you. I'm frustrated. I don't get it. Give me some understanding. But, you know, at the end of the day, you are at the throne. Right. At the end of the day, you, you are a load over my life. Right. Guide me. No. Yeah. That that's a good point that you bring up. It's just always ending it with praise. Right. It may start with frustration, anger or anything of that nature, but always ending it with putting make sure God stays stays on that throne of our heart, the throne yeah. of your heart. Right. That's the key. I think also a part, a part of the process when we're talking about like healing from like. We're, we're talking about healing from trauma, particularly like that was perpetrated against us by someone else. It's accepting help from others. Mm, that's a good one. Like, we always talk about it like your circle matters and having the right people around you and that you're overcome by, like, you know, the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, right? Yeah. And I even found that in my life personally, like, not necessarily related, but like now that I have a circle of individuals that I've been praying for, I don't use them for what they are here for it's like okay sometimes i think we get to the point of being willing to okay admit i need help but not actually accepting it it's a totally different thing right like actually taking the step of saying okay i know i need to go speak to someone or talk to someone or even actually doing it but not accepting the help that they're offering to give to us right right okay i'm going okay i'm going to therapy i'm sitting down with the counselor but i'm not actually i'm just regurgitating information Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not active or being an intentional participant in this process of healing they're trying to help me walk through yeah right and with me it was just okay like i have these people these friends and these circle around me but i still want to isolate myself Mm -hmm. i still have these thoughts i have these questions i have these concerns i have these things that i'm dealing with that i'm not allowing them to help me Mm, yeah. Even though when they're reaching out, I'm saying that it's important. And so I think that's super, super critical is like allowing people to help you through this process because that is what it's going to take, right? Mm. And it refers and talks about this actually in 2 Corinthians 1 4, and it says, Praise be to Jesus Christ and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Which basically is saying that, like, okay. We've been comforted by God so we can also comfort others. So there's also right. people that have been through what you've gone through, right? That I've gone through this healing process or been through a similar experience or whatever it may be that can give you guidance, that can help you and walk you through where you need to where you need to go and what you need to do to make sure that you're getting what yourself right personally and also so you can walk with God right. to where you need to, right? In Galatians 6, 2, like carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ that we're meant to lean on one another ultimately yeah. like we talk about all the time particularly in your circle matters yeah. um, and that's going to be a part of the process and one of the biggest ones of like okay not only admitting okay I think a lot of us can get to the point okay yeah I need help like I'm hurting yeah I'm in pain 
this is this is this is weighing me down, but also getting to the point to where like, okay, saying yes, mm-hmm. mm. saying yes, Say and just yes. accepting it. So no, that, that, I think that's also an important part. I think one more one more thing I I think is very crucial to healing is I know some of y'all says a cuss word, so excuse my language, but forgiveness, forgiveness, and I think. Not the cuss word. Yeah, no. I think to some people it's nah. gone. <laughs> forgiveness. I think we have to kind of also rewrite the way we see it because forgiveness is just letting go, right? It's if a grudge is something you hold on to, forgiveness is an act of you know l- releasing that thing from your hands, right? And I think a lot of times we get in the mode of saying like they don't deserve my forgiveness, but I but I had to understand in my own personal experiences like that forgiveness isn't for them it's for yourself and when I really sat down and thought about like some grudges that I have for some people it doesn't really make sense because the anger and the resentment you have for them they would never feel it as much as you do right you're walking around carrying this burden while they don't feel that you're the only one that feels that resentment and anger so that forgiveness is for yourself letting that go so you can live freely right so I think forgiveness like I said it's just an act of letting go but I think that's honestly the biggest part of healing from these things because if you don't let that thing go then how do you expect to heal from it and also something you kind of talked about earlier in your earlier point is there's a difference between acknowledgement and application because i think in certain situations i acknowledge that i needed to forgive people but i didn't actually take out those necessary steps but it is a process right you can't just say oh yeah i need to forgive them and kind of just like go with the flow like it's it's, it's way it's, easier said than done like it's not even yeah it's definitely definitely a lot easier said than done like i said it's, it's definitely a process it's not something easy but it's something that needs to be done if you want to get that true healing no quite i want to just add to that i think you know another point is like not wasting a part of like forgiveness i think a part of sometimes what's maybe not wanting to the fact that we want revenge mm-hmm. yeah in terms of like yeah. what the debt against me, they making they paying it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, granted, like you're like, why why'd you put me through this? Right. You know what I mean? What is what is your consequence? Mm-hmm. What what is what is going to happen to you? It's like I'm I'm left with all of this hurt, all this anger. Yeah. Like like I said, like yo, like I was a child. Yeah. I was this. I was that. Like, and what and you don't have to deal with anything. Mm-hmm. And so I think a part of that is not wasting energy on revenge because you need all that energy that you give to that idea is energy you need for yourself to ultimately heal, right? When, you're ta- when we're talking about trauma and like like se- like severe trauma to any or really to any extent, like you need all the energy. Like that itself takes energy from you and it's draining continually. Yeah. So you need to make sure you're putting your energy into things that are going to ultimately, ultimately help you and heal you to where you need to be, right? We've all heard the idea of, okay, do you, you want to just continue to stay like in bitterness or ultimately get better because right. you can't have both. Mm-hmm. There cannot, there can't be a line to where you're still bitter of what happened and still ultimately getting better. Mm-hmm. Like there has to be a decision that you make in that. And when you're holding on to hurt, uh, you allow that person to continue to hurt you, even though it's already happened. Mm-hmm. It's already taking place. But when I'm holding on to that, it's a continual a perpetual pain right. and I hurt I'm going to the more I hold on to it and mm. it's a part of what I'm allowing to like keep in my in my back pocket yeah. or in the back of my mind right um, so sometimes we seek revenge and it comes down to sometimes we seek revenge because we don't believe God will actually serve it for us say it right and say it that and that's sometimes where that 
that hesitation or that struggle is we seek revenge because we don't believe God will actually serve it for us because we don't see it immediately. Like I mentioned earlier, everyone's going to be judged righteously one day, mm. but it may not be right now. Yeah. Right? It's like, yo, like you, you did X, Y, and Z. This is what happened to me. And like you're living freely without pain and or consequence. Yeah. And it, and that hurts. That can be difficult. Once I'm not seeing it, what with my sight and in my, mm. in my physical world, then it's hard to put faith in the fact that God's actually going to make anything happen. And so it comes down to believing him when he says that, like, vengeance is mine, right? And sometimes we're trying to step into positions that he said were only his role. Yeah. Right? Like, it talks about That's this tough. in Romans twelve nineteen. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, uh, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, and I will repay, says the Lord. It says vengeance is his. Yeah. But we try to put ourselves in that seat, right? And that's one of the hardest things to do. Like, that's not even easy because yeah, I'd be wanting is. to peace, like, to peace. If we're being honest, bro, I'd be wanting to Mike Tyson somebody, bro. You know what I mean? Or what? Or, or make them feel the way I do. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Like, ha- have them hurt the way I did when they, when they violated me. Yeah. When they crossed that boundary. Mm-hmm. Right to do literally the unthinkable, the most sinister thing, when I was eight. Yeah, I want them to, like, you know, what I, mean? I want them to feel it, mm-hmm. and that's like in our in our natural proclivity, right? And like, when if I'm not, and a lot of it's just rage, and we need to place it somewhere, you know what I mean? And sometimes we just place it and trying to get revenge instead of just giving it to God because He can handle all yeah, of it. Yeah, and so that's a part of it. Like, no, not wasting your energy on that and giving it to God and having faith, right? That yeah. he will perform what he said he will and taking visions and that he is just. And we have to realize when it comes to forgiveness, obviously it's something that you, you have to learn to forgive. Yeah. You know, it's learned. And I think sometimes a lot of people's process of healing from trauma is disrupted or halted because people try to force them to forgive too soon. You know, like this, that's a process. That's something that's going to happen overnight and you shouldn't be expected yeah. to have it all together overnight and just forgive somebody like it's that easy. Mm. And then along with that, when it comes to God being a God of revenge and justice and that vengeance is ultimately his, we have to realize that God is one of restoration. Right. And, and we also have to making sure we're, we're believing in that, that no matter what happened to us and or what took place, healing is possible. Right. Because I think we had a conversation about that not too long ago in terms of like, when do I know I'm actually healed? Mm, and did. do I and do I am I actually do I can I ever get to the point to where I am actually healed? Right. Complete healing. Like, what does that look like? What does that mean? Is, is that even possible? Right. And I think that we kind of came to a conclusion in the conversation of the fact that I don't know how much memories can be erased, but the emotions attached to it can be Mm, that this is a part of what took place to me, what happened to me, Mm. what they did to me, but I'm free. Mm. It's not a part of my identity and it's not going with me to the future. And I think it's important to understand that like, yo, like healing is possible Mm. and, and, and realizing that, like even the most the most like sinister things the unthinkable that you know of course like 
it's a part of my past, but I think it always comes back to, I think we mentioned this last week and we've been talking about this a lot lately, but I think I'm really understanding the idea of this verse of Romans 8, 28, yeah. that all things work for the good of those that love him. And I think a part of that is restoration. You know, like you look at those things, like how can that be good? Right. And those things are, are inherently not that happened to you. But there can still be restoration and healing that comes from it. Exactly. That God makes it or you good, whole, healed. Yeah. And whatever that looks like. And so, yeah, I wanted to mention that too because I, I remember we talked about that. Um, a, lot, a lot. I forgot about that. A few people a yeah. while ago. It was a good conversation. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think that's a good point that you made. I feel like. And I feel like personally, I kind of struggle with also what you were talking about, how like God can take something that's inherently bad and sort of turn it into a situation that can be good. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that I used to juggle with a lot, just trying to wrap my mind around the way that God functioned and moved, not realizing that that's something that I didn't need to do. Right. I think that's for me personally, that's where the, you know, how we say, you know, um, walk by faith and not by sight. I think that's something that kind of helped me when I really apply that to just stop. I had to stop trying so hard to wrap my mind around the way that God worked. Basically, Ecclesiastes three eleven it says, "He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end." Right? It says something similar also in Isaiah fifty five eight nine. Um, you know, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So. I personally just found peace understanding that like God moves how he moves because he sees what we don't and he acts accordingly, right? And like I said, that isn't always the easiest thing to grasp and it's the process of trying to learn that. But I feel like once I actually did, it made things a lot easier for me to handle instead of always trying to like run myself ragged, trying to, you know I mean, run circles in my head or like, you know, why this, why this, why this, why this? I found peace with the fact that, you know, some things we aren't going to understand, right? And we're not meant to understand. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. No, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's important for us. It's what we mention a lot that we're just being real with ourselves, particularly as Christians. Right. When it comes to these things, because I think it's always easy for us when we're talking to unbelievers to like put on this front or this idea that we have all the answers yeah, or that it always makes sense to us. And I think it's okay that sometimes that it doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yo, like, why, you know what I mean? If God is so good, like, why why are these things taking place? Mm-hmm. There's millions of people getting caught in sex tra- trafficking. There's there's millions of people being abused all the time. Mm-hmm. One of one in four individuals, or at least women, deal with sexual assault. Like, why are these things taking place? Particularly the people and myself that didn't deserve it, mm-hmm. right? Like, why was I molested at this age or X, Y, or why did this have to take place to me in my childhood? And it's just like, I think it's always easy to throw, well, you know, God has a plan. Mm, it's very easy. Yeah. It'll work out for your good. But how can this work out? Right. Mm. How can this even be a part of some sort of grand plan and will that he has for me? You know, and I think that. I think that starting there, when we just when we're just real with the fact that, particularly as Christians, that hey, coming to God with that, because I think those can be thoughts of unbelievers, but ourselves as well. Yeah. Right. Like even though okay, I, be, I believe in God, I know He's good, but, but we talked about and I love God, but it's like, but, but I don't know how this is gonna work. 
Yeah. I don't know how this is gonna play out. I don't know what how this what what happened to me here can even be turned into anything right. for His glory. Mm-hmm. And when we when, when we start there with our vulnerability, that's a part of giving Him a piece. Mm. The piece of our broken heart. Exactly. And I think that's a, that's a crucial part part that we need to pick. One of those pieces that we need to pick up and give to Him is being real. And and always and always understanding that that's where faith comes in. Like in this fallen world of sin and evil, I understand. Okay, free will. Uh, people have free will, and evil things happen. That's a part of being in the fallen world. That's sin by the by the action of Adam. But one having so having that compassion and, and empathy and sensitivity to other people, but also ourselves to realize that okay, maybe not always makes sense, but I'm still going to trust him anyway. Exactly. Right. Even when we talk about Joe, man, this is not necessarily related, but like he went through all those trials and tribulations. He's like, though he slayed me, yet I trust in him that no matter what it is beyond my logic or my sensibility, my faith and my trust is always going to be putting him on the throne of my heart because that's where my comforts come. Mm -hmm. That's where my peace will be at. That yes, I've been through this. Yes, this has happened to me, but I still know that he's good. He's good. He is good. And that's all you need to know, really. And even if I, even in moments and the things that happen to me may question that, I know he's good. Mm-hmm. Sounds simple, but he, he, out of anything in this world, mm-hmm. is the one thing that is good. And that's what I'm going to hang my hat on. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm going to run to. And that's what I'm going to build my life upon, that he is good. Mm-hmm. And I think, that, I think that's just important to know because this can be really tough. And I don't want to, and I don't want to leave without under, like letting y'all know that this, like, you know what I mean? It's just like always just, bl- um, I don't know, just throwing like a little Band-Aid or a sticker on it, mm-hmm. but realizing like the severity and the realness of all of like the questions and pain and still things that leave it there. But like I said, recognizing that even through all this evil, he's the one that is good. He is good. And if I put my faith in that, everything else will fall into place. Exactly. That's where Romans 1, 828 comes 828, in. 828, yeah. Because he's good. Always will be. Above all. Yeah, and there was something that I said in I Love God, but which was like, I can't remember episode, but it was at the end of it. And it said that there are certain things that God has revealed, which makes faith possible. And there are certain things that God has made secret, which makes faith necessary. All right. So there's certain things in this life that like, you know, that he's shown himself to us in different ways and different things within the earth and our own experience that he's revealed to us that makes our faith possible to even know that he is real and he exactly. is good. But there are certain things that God's made secret that, you know, ways that are higher than his and things that may take place and pain that happens in this world. That's what makes faith necessary. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about here when I mentioned all that. Like, this is where faith comes into play. Yeah. Right. When things don't look good, still knowing that he is. That's faith. Yep. That's faith. The things that are made secret that I don't always understand or can't wrap my head around the logic, that's where our faith comes in, and that's what we have to have. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that, and that was pretty much it. Mm. Yeah, one more point I kind of just wanted to make was just there was a reason God specified that we were going to have to lean on our faith instead of our sight, right? Because he understood that there were going to, see, there were going to be things that we were faced with that we saw that weren't going to make sense to us, right? That we weren't going to be able to fathom, right? There's a reason he said that, but he gave us the faith that was necessary, like you said. We, we have the faith that we need, understanding that he is good, right? And that's really, that's really all. That's really all we need. For sure. That's he. What you got? You got, you got something to lead the people with? We get, well, was it, we wind down and did it out? Mm. I think that was a good, I think that was enough chest. said. Yeah, I think that was enough said. It was a good EP, chest. bro. That was, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs>
what I guess I'll leave people with is to realize that your trauma is not your fault. Your trauma is not your identity. And your trauma will not be your future. Mm. And ultimately letting God have the final say on your past, on your present, and what is to come. And even in moments where you don't feel right, um, that that healing is possible, or whatever it may be when there is any doubt or, or no matter what, like allowing God's truth to trump your feelings in every situation, in every way, and leaning on him. And I want to go back to that verse that I mentioned earlier. I guess it was just really profound to me. Very simple, but... It's what I've been meditating on. It says Second Corinthians one eight through nine. It says, in fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. I just want to leave y'all with that. Like, I expected to die. Mm. I expected for it to take me out. Yeah. Didn't expect to heal from it. Mm-hmm. Didn't expect to have joy again. Mm-hmm. Didn't know I could laugh like this. Nope. Didn't know I could be this happy. What, what's that one Kurt Franklin song? It's like, I never knew hey. I could feel as happy. Dun, 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 dun. And I never knew that I'd be so secure. Yeah. It's because of your love. But anyways. That's a great song. That's the point. I didn't know that I, I'd be here. I didn't know I could ever see this. But he... Is the one who raises the dead, the dead. Mm. brings those things which are dead to life. Mm-hmm. Under Him, what who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what we can ask and or expect is it's Him. Lean on Him, right? Your healing is possible. Your complete healing is possible. He is good. He's He's the one that's good, and all this evil and all these things that may have happened to you, you taking place. He's still good. Don't make me do a lap, bro. He's still good. Hey! Chill. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, I just want to show that he's still good. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. So y'all know what it is. Stay you. Stay real. And stay humble. We'll catch y'all next week. Much love.